Hey, I'm Sydney Latwako, host of Something to Share, where we give Bachelor Nation and other inspiring guests a platform to speak on what really matters to them right now with candid and important conversations you won't find anywhere else. Join us every Wednesday for unique stories you do not want to miss. So Esquire dubs her the intellectual's pinup. Okay. (laughs) It's still like, she's smart, but she's hot. So what updates do we have? What's going on this week? What's been happening? I'm going to go um, to Winston tonight for dinner for like an Irish dinner. But we oh, saw, nice. um, if you guys are into Hosier at all, we saw his concert. Um, he played at Winston on Friday. Oh my God. It was magic. Literal magic. And we had like such good, like we were in the perfect spot. Yeah. So we could see him. It was like really small and intimate. It was just him and a goddamn guitar. And that's all you needed. And it's like... I mean, his voice is like, I truly don't know how to explain it. It's just magic. It is magic. He came out with the EP today, so I'm really excited to hear about that. Oh, I haven't listened. Yeah, but that was an exciting little update that we did that. Um, I'm excited to get like a girls' night cocktail tomorrow night. Yep, doing a girls' night on the west side because we can't leave. No, I refuse. Venice or Santa Monica, as we have learned. Uh Um, Yeah. What's new in your life? Nothing to really report. You really, well, we're Do really I. into Daisy Jones right now. Oh, Daisy Jones has been a complicated <laughs> relationship. <laughs> That's the only way I would describe it as well. It's like not even hate watching it. It's, it's so like, entertaining. It's so entertaining. It's like I think I've finally accepted that it's different than how I maybe wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's similar to just like that, the Sex and the City reboot, like my oh, feelings. I do think it's like a little better. It's less cringy than in just like that. that in just like oh, that. But it does have its moments, yeah, though. Yeah, it's true. But the last three episodes are out tonight, so I was like, oh, I should do something tonight. And I was like, you know what? It's already done. It's like already done. And so I was like, I'm just going to order some food. What are you going to order? High, probably sushi. It's been a while. You've been feeling it. I really have. I haven't ordered Mendo for so long. I ordered Mendo last night. I know. I think I order Mendo's Minnesota Farms. It's like a salad sandwich place at least once a week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I used to more. I have to. Mm, I'm not over the salad, mm. but I'm. I think I'm branching out. My heavy rotation for ordering is Kazunori and Mendocino Farms. Same. I will get Kazunori tonight. The cheaper version of Sugarfish. And it's better because it's all hand rolls and Sugarfish. The magic is being there. God, and I know. We need to go again. We do. It's I, been too long. I haven't been for so long. Um, but too yeah, long. that is pretty much what's going on. Daisy Jones. Um, we had a really fun 90s party at the waterfront. We did. Thank you guys for coming out and dressing up. Yes. And if you're new here and you found us through that party, hello. Hello. And we want to just keep having more events to yeah. meet everyone, drink. Why not? Yeah. I, I, I did drink a little bit too much. It kind of took me by surprise. Well, was, we had Ramaritas. We did. Which was so fun. And, you know, and then when people just are, <laughs> I was like defending myself to Canal. I was like, well, people just like kept coming in and being like, do you want to drink? And he was like, every time I saw you, you were asking if people <laughs> wanted to drink. I was like, shut up. No, there's three sides to the truth. That is true. Um, but yeah, 
And then we had trivia last night. Yeah. Small but mighty crew. Small but mighty. And we decided that we're going to do a full on Bravo trivia next time. Yes. Please. Like, I mean, I can't. That is my my biggest dream of all time. I know. Same. Well, just to talk about Real Housewives all the time. It's a shock this hasn't turned into a Real Housewives podcast. I know. Sometimes I'm like one little slip. Yeah. (laughs) No kidding. And it will go there. We're tempted. We are tempted. Um, But yeah, so we'll be sending out information about that. And then we hope you guys have liked um, the influential women. Yes. This Ugh. is flown by. Yeah, I know the theme months, like you were saying, it makes it go by really quickly. Yeah. I think it's really good for us. Let us know if you like it, yeah. the themed months, or if you're like, we like this like kind of random. Random things. But we want to do what you guys like. Exactly. We are selfless people. It, it, of course. Which is also, again, like you had someone else in mind to cover this week, but the Rammies voted for this influential woman. The Rammies did. Um, I was going to do Jane Austen. Yeah. Which I was like kind of hesitant to do just because, I don't know, I have this like block in my head about like doing women before or any subject before like the 1900s that scares me. You don't vibe with that. But I think that it's so fun to do that because it's just like the past is so easy to like laugh at. I don't know what it is. I'm the same way with like movies sometimes. Like I I used used to love, I used to watch all the Jane Austen movies. Mm. And now I'm like, you really have to like force me to, and then I end up enjoying it like most things in life. Uh, I mean, I have ideas about things all the time and I know I'm often proven wrong, but I don't care. I know. Stubborn. I know. So we took a vote and um, this subject was, someone I had been wanting to do and then was like but do people already know too much about her and then I was like you know what there's no other way to end influential women other than Gloria Steinem wow I mean she is the perfect candidate also like even if people do know about her it's just fun to you know sit with your friends and talk about it that's one of the things I've noticed on TikTok by the Mm. way is if we ever post anything people will be like yeah I already knew that then it's like keep scrolling also like there's not a lot of new information you know what I mean like we're all kind of talking about the same thing in different contexts and ways like shut up exactly but it's like we like it so we like to talk about it guys i came in with such an energy today so i'm like <laughs> pissed well that's good it's good to be pissed to talk about um glory Steinem because oh. how pissed off she was um at the patriarchy really got her got her places and got us places that's right i mean we are so tired from fighting the patriarchy we are i mean we had to do it all last week on tiktok oh my gosh yeah on tiktok we're gonna talk about that on patreon <laughs> yeah. so come on over i mean we touched on it last week we can't stop talking about it no i yeah so we won't get into it but yeah. um we are tired of fighting the good fight Mm -hmm. but gloria has not been tired not yet um so i think just to start off the episode which this is like a heavy question oh god but it doesn't have to be it it can just be whatever whatever you whatever you want it to be do you remember the first time you sort of understood feminism or you identified as a feminist? I'm so glad that you asked this because I've been saying in my head, do not forget to talk about this. Oh my God. I remember it perfectly. Tell me. So I was in Florida with Emma and we went on a trip with our moms and we were sitting in the living room. And this was like when I was probably 20, I don't, I might've been 21 at this point anyways. And she just looked at me. I forgot what you're talking about. And she was like, are you, do you think you're a feminist? And I literally was like, no. And she was like, why? (laughs) And I was like, because that just means that, you know, women Mm -hmm. hate men. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I I don't know. I don't really understand it. I feel like it's a bunch of just angry people. And she was like, that's literally not what it is at all. Wow, Emma. I mean, Emma's always been ahead of her time. Mm, Um, Teaching the important things. No kidding. And she was like, it just truly means that you believe in the quality of women and I was like, well, obviously, I believe that. And then she's like, bingo. Bingo. <laughs> like Bingo. And that, she's like, and another life changed. Yeah, it's so simple, isn't it? Yeah. But obviously, we 
a lot of us thought growing up that it meant that you were a man hater. Yeah. And that you like to fight. And that you didn't shave your armpits. Yep. I the mean, whole thing. I'm like embarrassed to say I was even like 20. Like, I wish I knew that when I was like out of the womb. Yeah. But then when you think about it, like 2016 and yeah. Hillary running and the Me Too movement was, at least for me, I was 26 at that time. Like that was my like, holy shit. Yeah. Everything I have thought is like starting to... I'm just seeing it in such a different way. So like, and you know, then as a woman, I feel like when you first learn about it, you're like, can't stop, won't stop. Like I had a Beyonce and my cover photo on Facebook was Beyonce in front of the sign feminist. Was this 2016? Yes. Yeah, oh, that was. I think so. I think so. All of us, like, you know, the TikTok trend where they're just like rising from <laughs> like the dead. Like, I think that was a lot of us. And like, yeah, our moms went through that phase and in, in time in a different way in a different way mm-hmm. you know obviously there's been so many different waves of feminism um but i guess the second question before we just dive in do you remember the first time as a young a young woman or a girl that you kind of realized like huh am i like treated in a different way mm. than like boys in my class or family members hmm. even at work when you were a little older maybe at work i feel like i was surrounded by so many women in my life yeah and, like that is so true I'm just from such a matriarch family. I truly was not really around men growing up. So like, I don't really, th- I don't remember. Yeah. But I know, I feel like I'm having more moments in my adulthood right. and at work and yeah. stuff where I'm like, this would be so different if I was a woman. Yeah. I mean, it felt, it's Start not like it's a man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's not like it ends at a certain point, you know, no. it's not like, oh, it really just affects you when you're 13 and then in your twenties and thirties. It's gone. Right. It's not like that. Well, so what about you? Um, For both. I guess, like, I've always felt... I, God, I just don't know. Because I feel like my mom really instilled it in me. Just because there was a lot of other negative factors in my mm. life growing up that I think she was um, very adamant of, like, you are strong. Like, I mean, like, the memorabilia around my house of, like, towels, napkins of just, like, girl power, be the girl you want to be, stand up for yourself. Like, so I think even in, like, middle school, I think I felt that in certain ways Mm -hmm. and felt like I wanted to, like, stand up for, like, girls in my class and, like, protect them when, like, I mean, you know, all, like, the typical young kid shit of, like, boys calling girls fat and ugly. Like, I always just felt this, like, like... I had to be the one to be like shut the fuck up, yeah. which I sometimes still feel. Which sometimes I'm like, Stay, like Tess, you don't need to like always like calm down. We learned sometimes. about that on our astrology episode, though. That's like in your chart to oh. feel like you have to be the one to like fix things. Yes, and sometimes that can get me in trouble. I would say it's also a beautiful quality. You know, yeah, it's a double edged sword. So I think that, and then like in terms of feeling different as a woman and like noticing things, I don't really like know until 2016. I know. And then it was like the That's So Raven where it like goes into like, and then you're just like, oh my God, this, this, and this. So, I mean, definitely 2016 is also when I left a job for sexual harassment. So it was like really There's a lot at once. Yeah. Yeah. But um, like you did say, the definition of feminism is, and it's as simple as this kids, the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. That's it. It's like the most simple thing in the entire world. It is so simple. Um, But man, did Gloria really change the game? So um, to 
say my two sources. I read this article by Karen Carbo um, from National Geographic called oh. How Gloria Steinem Became the World's Most Famous Feminist. Mm. And then I watched the HBO documentary Gloria in Her Words. I didn't know that there was one. It had been on my like to watch for I think a year. And I kept being like, oh, I'll watch this one day. And then I was like, this is time. HBO has the best documentaries. Well, Diana in Her Words is on HBO. Oh, is it? I, I think like, it's on- called the same thing. <laughs> or is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but that's why they can do it. It's on different platforms. Exactly. Um, so shall we get into yes. Miss Steinem? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Gloria was born in Toledo, Ohio. Ah, oh, an Ohio gal. Rep, rep the, the Midwest lady. Mm-hmm. Um, on March 25th, her birthday's coming up soon. That's Pisces. Pisces, 1934. Okay, I Googled her, and I really try not to like look at anything. She's 88. Oh, my God. Because literally, or 80, like seven in or my 89. mind, she's like my mom's age. <laughs> Same, but she's in her late 80s. God damn. Wait, is that right? Yes. Yes, because, that's right. Yep. That's crazy. Or she's like 85 or something. <laughs> I think late 80s. She's in her 80s. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you always know. Don't let us do the math. Yeah, seriously. Don't, don't talk about it. Um, so she was born during the height of the Depression. So oh, she wow. has been through. Like, this woman has just been through everything. That's the thing. It's like, we always think that our generation has gone through the hardest stuff. And it's like, every generation is going to think that. I know. Like, well, you know, yeah. But like, you can't even compare. Yeah, it's true. You can't compare drama. But that is is true. Um, So she was born to her dad, Leo. Leo. Mm -hmm. Leo. And her mom, Ruth. And her dad was a traveling uh, antique salesman. That like sounds like a made up job. <laughs> sounds like someone's job now on like TikTok. Yes, it's like an influencer. Being like, Come with me in my van as I like <laughs> give everyone these little Well Tony, is that his name? Tony. Is that his name? Oh, um Leo. Oh Leo. Right, of course. Yeah. Leo. Leo like, and Ruth. Gotcha. Wow, what a job. What a job. What's that mean he was gone a lot? So they went with him. Oh. And so she describes her childhood as like this crazy time because she was like, it was such a unique lifestyle. We were like it was thrilling. We were from city to city, state to state. We never knew like what was going to happen next. And so for her and her older sister, they That's were like, ask. this is thrilling. Her mom, Ruth, was like, this has given me such anxiety. Ugh. I don't know like when we're going to be getting our next meal. My kids don't have like the proper, like, like literally anything. And was he like the... It's fine. We're adventurous. And then they like looked up to their dad because he was like fun, but Ruth was stressed. Like, I'll end the episode there. Like, that's all you need to know. And wow. we've seen this time time again when the dad is, like, romanticized for being the fun one and the mom who's actually, like, let's get, you know, it's give our children a good life. Mrs. Doubtfire. What? Oh, that's my exactly God. That's exactly what it is. And it makes me so mad. It's, it's for those of you who know, this is exactly what happened with Katie, uh, Katie Maloney and Tom Schwartz. Like, he's always the funny guy. And yep. so it makes her be the bad guy. Well, we see this a lot. Yeah. And... Oh, it's already Male starting. and female dynamics. Yep. Like, and it's very frustrating. So her mom was described as um, depressed and anxious. She was very mentally fragile, quotes, um, struggling from a few nervous breakdowns before Gloria was born. Okay. Okay. In so much research, there's like this trope of like the mom and the wife who suffers from nervous breakdowns. And they're like, she was like out of her mind and she was hysterical. And it's so unfair because her mom was probably just like, I'm a mother and a wife and a woman living in the 1930s. Ugh. I have no agency over my life. Yeah. my I probably can't get like a job. I have to travel around with this fucking crazy person. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, and it's just so unfair that it's always like mental nervous breakdowns. Well, like, I feel like women who were depressed were like sentenced to an insane asylum uh, back in the day. Like literally. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's always just like, what is a nervous breakdown? Like, yeah. I, do, do we have nervous breakdowns every day? Like what would be? Probably to others. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably to our spouses. They would say that. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, so Ruth and Leo, they split saw that coming yeah they moved back they were like let's stop um well ruth was like we need to move back and stop traveling around the goddamn country (laughs) um and so he was like well if you're over this and we're getting divorced i'm going to california classic classic um so at this time her sister goes off to smith college where's that smith is on the east coast it's an all women's college oh cool i think now people like make the jokes that it's like the lesbian college everyone's gonna do that to every single college that's an all women's <laughs> college so like, it must mean they're lesbians <laughs> oh my god but it's a really it's like a hard school to get into to oh, this day nice smart family mm-hmm. um so now it's just it's just gloria and ruth mm. and she is now noticing that she has taken on the role as becoming her mom. Oh, that sucks. It's like one of the most unfair things in the world when this happens. It literally is. And so she is really starting to notice how people dismiss her mother's mental illness. Mm. And this sort of like, she's really recognizing anti-woman bias very quickly when they go into the doctor, when they go into the store, like every part of the, part of their life, she's like, wow, without like my dad, people like don't take us seriously. And not even that, like, they, they just dismiss her. I'm not even joking, guys. If I'm going to, like, take my car in today, I would rather have Corey come with me because I know that they're going to try to – even though I, he doesn't know anything about cars, but, it's, like, they're gonna less likely to try to trick me. I mean, literally, there's so many different ways that, like, yeah. this shows up that I think we don't even think about to this day. Of just, really like, well, if I had a man there, yeah. I'd be taken more seriously. It's crazy. Or if I had a male on my team or, you know, mm-hmm. the Shkosian, all the all the ways. Um, so she started detaching. She was just like, yeah, I need to I, – I, I'm excited to get out, to go to college. Um, and at this time, this is really sad. Her, so her, da- her dad, who's in California, gets into a car accident – He's in the hospital for a couple days and he calls and he's like really unwell, but unclear if she knew like the gravity of the situation. Um, And he was like, do you want to come to California and like visit me essentially? She said no, because she couldn't possibly fathom like taking care of two parents at this time when she's like 18. So she says no and he dies. No. I know. It's such a hard time in life anyways, and it should be an exciting time of life. I know. Truly, truly tragic. Um, But then Gloria enrolls at Smith College following Uh, her sister's footsteps. What's your sister's name? Mm. Sisters. I I don't know. I didn't write it down. That's fine. Um, But college was an interesting time for her. She joined Phi Beta Kappa. Pi Beta Kappa? Or is it Phi Beta Kappa? Uh, is it P-H-I? Yeah. Phi. Phi. Um, so she's a sorority gal, uh-huh. um, which I think like most women at this time in college were like a sorority kind of can offer also like connections and sisterhood. sisterhood. And so she's at Smith and she's just like, what the hell is going on? Because oh, no. everyone that I see is just obsessed with like, not even obsessed, being forced to go to college to then just marry. To get your MRS degree. Literally. Mm. And just to be wives and mothers. Have you ever seen Mona Lisa smile? No. 
Oh, it's Julia like, Roberts, right? Yeah. yeah no. And Kirsten Dunst. Oh, she's in it? Okay, mm-hmm. I'll watch. And um, it has like an amazing cast. And it's about these women that go to an all-female uni- university in the 50s. I think it came out like early 2000s. Yes. So I wasn't like watching it, it I th- then. I feel like you would love it. Julia Roberts then is their art teacher who like really is Ooh. like, stop like, it's not about getting married. And like she like changes their perspective on love everything. That. Like, oh God, I love that movie. Um, so she's learning. She's taking it in. She's like, I don't like what I see here. Yeah. And it's kind of disturbing to me. Um, this is sort of where she started her um, signature look. Wait, I just saw the other day, Michael Kors did a line like for recently and it was like an homage to her. And he's like, I love women that like break the rules because it's like a sweater with like a low rise belt kind of thing. Right. Yep. And then she has like a middle part with kind of aviator glasses. Yes. Oh, the, I was going to wear my aviators during this. <sighs> God damn it. Yeah. So she started the, um, so her streaked hair, like she had like kind of yes. chunky blonde highlights. And that was inspired by Breakfast at Tiffany's. Really? Because Audrey Hepburn's character has like those streaks. She's so beautiful in that movie. She's so beautiful. And that was like her icon kind of growing up because she was like, I, I, I don't belong to anybody. Oh. And like very much like that, that Gloria. Yes. Um, she connected with that. And the aviator glasses, she said that she started wearing those because it felt like she could hide behind them like for protection. Mm. It's like a little kid who puts on glasses and it's like their invisibility cloak. Thing. Yeah, like then you don't really have to like see all of me, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Um, so she moves to New York after she graduates um, and she's like, I want to be a journalist. Mm. That's what she was studying in school. But obviously at this time, journalism for women isn't like go out and talk about, you know, very important things. Well, this, mu- this must be the 50s. She graduates in this uh, 19... 19- because she was born in 38, right? Yeah, she graduated in 1955, this says. Yeah. But I'm like, is that right? Yeah, because you're, oh, actually, I don't know. Hmm. Unless you graduated early. But in the 50s. Yes. Um, And she's realizing that she can't get an apartment as a single woman. So she just ends up, like, essentially couch surfing. Can you um, imagine? Like, no and yes. You know what I yes, mean? But, and also, it's like, it really wasn't that long ago. I know. I know. I mean, we'll go through later, like, some time stamps of when women could do certain things. And I, I mean, like, I've always known, but I was shook to my core at some of the stuff I found out. It's so crazy. You literally couldn't do shit until the 70s. And even then, it was like, but there's exceptions for everything. So it's just very upsetting. Um, so, yeah, she was sleeping on friends' couches as she was freelancing. Um, at this point, she was like, I'm not sure, like, what feminism is, but, like, something was brewing inside of her. <laughs> I feel like up to that point, feminism, people are just like, yeah, we'll let you vote now. It, yeah, and so that's what she said. She was like, it kind of, like, with, like, first wave, first wave feminism, it was in the 30s. First no. wave feminism was in the late 1800s. Okay. With, so, like, the suffragette okay. movement. Yes, yes. Okay, so then, and then women got the right to vote in 1920. 20. 20. I know. So maybe it's the early 1900s. The photos were all black and white. Yes. We know that for sure. Yes. And so I think a lot of women at this time were like, well, we got that. Like, what else do we need? Like, we can vote. So, like, does it stop there? Mm. You know, like that kind of like your brainwash to be like, we fought for our rights and now there's a dead end because our roles are assigned to us. And like, we'll be happy what with what you have. Yes. And she kept saying like, she assumed women biologically that their roles had already been predicted and like it wasn't her right to be angry because of all the work that the suffragettes had done. Well, my God, it just passes down from every generation, right? God, it really, really does. Um, 
So she was like working occasionally for the Sunday Times. Um, but her boss there was sexually harassing her. Oh my God. A fucking course. And he was just like, well, you can either like, he was just giving her like really gross options. He was, was he like verb- verbally abusing her? He was like, you can sleep with me or um, you can write this. Like she was like, I want to write like these pieces. And he was like, if you sleep with me, you can. If not. It's so crazy. Well, there was no protection. There was no sexual harassment like no. protections at this point. Also, like, get a grip. You are... What is wrong with you? Get a grip. So she was doing pieces then, uh, her first two pieces for, I think, the Sunday Times were how to cook a meal without really cooking, which I would read that. (laughs) Yeah. Good information to have. Yeah, not bad. Um, And what to do on a date with a man in New York City. Got it. So it's all very much like um, normal, heteronormative. Yes, it's I feel all, so fancy every time I say heteronormative. We're like so smart. <laughs> yeah. We like went to Smith. So. Yeah. So, but then she gets a media assignment from Esquire. Oh, Hugh Hefner was also there. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's just like doing problematic things at every company. God, that's crazy. Um, on the state of contraception. Wow. And she's like, I'm on it. And so this is in the '60s now. Has the pill come around? So the pill is big news. Um, at this point, so it would take another 10 years until it was available for all women, despite marital status. <laughs> it, it, uh, hmm. um, so I think at this point when it comes out, it was just for married women, right? Like you had to be straight, white, and married, and, and then like, you could get it. In what world does that benefit? Like No, like... It's like, wouldn't it even make more sense to like have it be the opposite? Like yeah, if you're married, we want you procreating. But if you're single, yeah. And no. then they're shaming women for having sex who are single. Exactly. But it's never about the women. It's about the men controlling the women. So and there it is. There it is. And there it fucking is. So she writes this piece called The Moral Disarmament of Betty Coed, The Root of the Contraceptive Revolution. Oh. And she says... She says, one of her first, like, big pieces. She says, there were many who trace much of their own and win- women's unhappiness to an abandoning of traditional roles. For these women, sexual freedom is a frightening development, difficult to accept. The real danger of the contraceptive revolution may be the um, acceler- acceleration of women's role changing without any corresponding change of man's attitude towards her role. That's right, honey. That is right. This is what you came for today, this energy, and we are bringing it. We need to bring it because, you know what, we've we've all been angry for a long time. That's right. With, you know, every right to be. But that's exactly it, though. Yeah, it's just like, oh, boo-hoo, now you're scared. Yeah. You're scared? <laughs> <laughs> this is why we can't do politics. <laughs> I think I would have a martini. No kidding. Maybe one more of these Guinnesses. Be <laughs> screaming. So this really gives her some like clout. Yeah, no, um, for sure. People are like, "Oh shit!" Of course, most people are angry. Most people are like, "Slut, slut! You're disgusting. <laughs> you're dumb." And then there's these people that are like, "Keep going. Like yeah. you have something to say." And so this is when she does her second most infamous little. Do I know? You know. Tell the, tell the people, Claire. She went undercover as a Playboy bunny at the Playboy Club. She sure did. It was it in New York or Chicago? It was in Chicago. Okay. She sees this advertisement, reading her reading the newspaper, saying for two hundred to three hundred dollars a week, and I'm so sorry I did not do the clerk leader. Um, you could become a Playboy bunny. You have to go through training, which we don't pay for. Okay, but I did. <laughs> which is like so intense. Did I tell you that my mom tried out to be a? 
I forget this every I forgot day. until she told me too. And she like had what the What did outfit. she say? I forgot. I think she said that she like went into the audition and you had to like try on the bunny suit and stuff like that. And I believe it was in San Francisco in the 70s that she did it. She Like I said, she's had such a life. She, she needs... She'll randomly Cindy. drop that on me. Right? The goddamn memoir. And I wish that I had pictures of the Playboy, um, like, bunny suit and of the Dolly Parton um, performance. I mean, definitely the Playboy bunny suit. (laughs) That's still, okay, we're going to be disgusted with what we find, but that outfit is so hot. The outfit is hot. And you just, you know, both things can be true. There it is, Tess. Um, Obviously, the power (laughs) dynamics of working at the Playboy mansion Mm -hmm. and being a Playboy bunny were not hot. (laughs) Not hot. (laughs) Um, She said it was physically draining and painful. The shoes hurt. She could hardly breathe in her corset. You had to do like the bunny and listen to her. We have a whole episode, you guys, on Playboy. So you can, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but you know the kind of work environment that yeah. was happening. Oh, wait. And just in that time, like if in, a, in an office, a man is like, sleep with me or you can't do what you want. You're literally serving men in like this corset and heels, not really talking. You are there to be a sex symbol, which is totally yeah. fine, but that doesn't give someone else the right to put their hands on you. Or to say disgusting uh, things to you. A hundred percent. So she ends up writing this piece. And she's like, um, basically in conclusion, she says, just because bunnies served horny businessmen highballs <laughs> and medium rare steaks doesn't mm, mean they were good with being felt up. And there it is. And that was her conclusion um, of... God, that's so... Like, it's so cool that she went undercover. Yeah, and she thought that she wasn't even going to make it past the first audition, and she did. And so I think it was just like this really interesting thing that, I mean, it kind of also influenced the rest of her career because she said that she regretted it for most of her lifetime that she did that because people would always think of her as unserious. It's so unfair. I know, which we'll get to, which will be the whole Mm. other topic about Gloria and her perception because of the way she looks. Um, But once again, people were like, you're good. (laughs) The finger snap (laughs) at the point. Y'all know it. Just like we are liking what we see. What what we see. Mm -hmm. In more more ways than one. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no good transition (laughs) to this. But... um, in 1969, um, Glory reported on an abortion speakout for New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. So, as we know, Roe v. Wade was not yet the law of the land. Was that 1970? This was in ni- uh, Roe was 1973. Okay. Um, so it was not not yet here. Just yeah. like it once again is gone. Right. Um, but so a lot of people, um, obviously, like if you were telling your stories about your abortion, you were a criminal. You were unsafe. Um, and so she gathered in this church basement in Greenwich Village in New York. Um, and a bunch of women were there and they were telling their stories. And it was like this like secret event. I have chills. I know. I have chills too. Um, and Gloria was like, oh my God, I did like did not know that this even existed. And I feel so safe here because she had her um, own abortion at 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about this a lot. In her book, My Life on the Road, um, she says that this doctor, Dr. John Sharp of London, in 1957, decades before physicians in England could legally perform an abortion for any reason other than the health of a woman, took this like risk for this 22-year-old girl who was on her way to India after oh, wow. after graduation. Um, and he was like, you must promise me two things. First, you will not tell anyone my name. Second, you will do what you want with your life. Oh. 
that's like that's a hero i know i know i have chills again i have chills again too what a special person we need more allies like that in the world we really do um and so she was saying that you know she had thrown herself downstairs Mm -hmm. she was doing you know she said quote all the foolish things that we did back then to germinate pregnancy like riding horseback throwing herself downstairs i'm the most cowardly person you can imagine physically speaking but i did throw myself downstairs just because i was so desperate i just knew that if i went home and married which i would have had to do it would be the wrong person it would be a life that wasn't mine that wasn't mine at all it's not fair why should a woman have to ruin their lives and put themselves in harm's way i know And so she then was just like, I have a huge responsibility, like after hearing other women's stories and finally coming out with her own, that she was just like, I want to be like a reproductive rights activist and I want to champion for women and abortion and being Mm -hmm. pro-choice. And this kind of all cultivated to co-found Miss Magazine. Yes. I just know about this from the show on Hulu. Oh, yeah. It's called Mrs. America. I'd never heard of Miss Magazine before. So it's still, I follow the Instagram. Oh, it still is popping. I did not know that. It's no longer in print, but they still like have a it's social like a media. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah, they're great. It's so cool. Um, she co-founded it with Dorothy Pittman Hughes, what, um, who was an African-American activist. And for the next two decades, she was on a plane every few days traveling the world Trying to get the word out about myths, about reproductive rights, about equality. Um, every other day. Oh, my gosh. Or every other. <laughs> I said every few days. I mean, I think for a while Might she. Be. How is she affording to do this? You know, mm. investors. That's a great question. Sorry to ask these. Yeah, no, questions. I don't know. It's mm. a good question. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, well she's flying. Yeah, she's flying. Um, they sold out. Uh, they had 300,000 test copies and they sold out in like more than just a week. So people wow. were like craving this. Well, yeah. And I think like Gloria saw everything very globally. Mm-hmm. I think she did like, you know, obviously she is a somewhat privileged white straight woman. And so I think a lot of backlash, you know, has just been like, well, how hard could it have been for her compared to other women, women of color, gay women and i do think like i personally do believe that she had an understanding even in the 60s and 70s like i am a small part of this Mm -hmm. and i can use my power and my privilege to like help women that exactly just because she's privileged doesn't mean she shouldn't say anything yeah quite the opposite use the privilege yeah and she was like she was not defensive about it she was like i understand that race and class tend to double and triple the degree of of oppression so she was always just like oh my god i can't like i need to go to other places Mm -hmm. and connect with other women who are going through hell and back um so yeah i think but with anything and any like feminist or public activist and icon she was kind of damned if she did and damned if she didn't she didn't um so this is kind of when people are like wait a second do we hate her um in the early 1970s like the world or like the feminist community um kind of the world i'd say the country okay um was like very split on how they felt about her so she's starting to be like a public figure yes i think most women not most i'll say some women were like oh my god she, I, she is saying everything that i have been thinking totally. and like she gives her platform is so empowering and then you know there were the conservative women that were like no we why is she trying to make us go out and do these things i feel safe here yep. and um 
And so Esquire, which is interesting. I'm just like, that. that is it though, Tess, is it, that I feel safe here. Right. Yeah, that's like where it comes from, isn't it? And it's also a better way to humanize it because I can get so frustrated with that. But I, that is a better way to understand it mm-hmm. and have more sympathy for it so that you can have a conversation. I think like I have to say that because when I start like my instinct with that narrative is to be like, what the fuck? Like, and angry. Is anger. And then it's like, that is the problem of being angry at women for the positions that we have been put in yep. that we cannot yes. get out of. So it's like, I feel actually for those women that felt so against her because it's like, their husbands and fathers and brothers were probably brainwashing them to be like it's literally stockholm syndrome it's 100 percent stockholm syndrome it's all control yep um so esquire dubs her the intellectual's pinup okay (laughs) it's still like she's smart but she's hot And so this is the quote they said. They said, new thinking, radical ideas, bold analysis, and a collective of raised consciences, consciences, conscience. Again, it's like, it would be different if she was like doing something for miniskirts, but it has nothing to do with any of it. Right. It's like literally like, so she sh- shows her legs so she can't t- be taken be smart. seriously. No, Tash, she cannot. And this is the difference with second wave feminism and third wave feminism. Exactly. So, like, if you present a sexual, you want it. If you're wearing something, like, slutty, you can't... Also, it's like, if you're pretty and you lean into your feminine side, that that means that you're not serious or a feminist. It's like, we must reject all ideas of femininity. Right. It's like, you can do, like, literally, you can just do what you want. Yeah. And, like, she wanted to wear a miniskirt. Great. So, if someone... If she was being threatened by her boss, that if, like... No, I mean, like, she just wanted to. So it's like that, like, what we we're talking about before of just like power dynamics and context goes so much into the, these kind of things. Like, you can't just look at a woman who even poses nude on Instagram and be like, well, gross. Yes. If that's what she is, she's not having a gun held to her head yeah. and that's what she wants to do, then let her fucking do it. And it doesn't matter the reason why she wants to do it. She just wants to. So let her do it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, people are pissed. There is a specific little group that is not happy with her. Do you, oh, do you know who the, these little invalid, evangelical Christians? Well, I probably it's the oh. uh, Phyllis Shafley. Phyllis Shafley. Phyllis Shafley is um, an outspoken opponent of the Equal Rights Amendment, the ERA. Phyllis Shafley is a bitch. Phil, uh, and I will say honestly, like I do not have sympathy for her. Sorry, but like the things that she did, she had such a platform to be like. She actively tried to fuck over women that were just trying to get ahead well and that's a, so <laughs> it wasn't even like she was at home being like man that's not for me she was like i will take you down it's i just don't understand the thing i, I can't even be like because she feels safe because it's like you're going out of your way yep and the only reason why i know anything about her is because kate blanchett plays her in the show mrs america and she has like amazing she's job. so good she's scary well shaffley's main thing was like fuck they're gonna make us go into war <laughs> Which, like, she was so hung up on that. Yeah, she was just like, do you want your daughters to be drafted? And so, you know how they use one scare tactic? They do. It's like a red herring. Exactly. So, she went with that. It's so red herring, right? Red herring. Yeah, that's... Because I keep thinking pickled herring, yeah. the fish, but that's different. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's a distraction. It's a distraction. It's like clickbait. Yeah. It's like, it's dumb. Um. So, yeah, she was opposed to it all. Um. And um, Gloria was was not her biggest fan. 
But I actually don't think, I'm like, what really even happened to her? To Phyllis? Yeah, because she campaigned against the ERA. They did win that. Like, the ERA didn't pass. Yeah, because it had been ratified by 28 of the required 38 states. Mm -hmm. Or did it pass? Wait, seven more states. Um, the ERA is the Equal Rights Amendment. Mm-hmm. I think it did pass. On March 22nd, 1972, the Equal Rights Amendment is passed by the U.S. Senate. Why did I think it didn't pass? Yeah, but it was, like most things, it was a fucking close call. Yeah, probably also because the world we're living in. I'm like, surely it's not like yeah, something. Like, that's so weird. A place like, for equal rights is passed. Right, like, where are we now? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yep. Um, So let's just review a few things that are happening for women in the 70s. 1974. It's the first year you could get a credit card as a woman. That's so crazy. crazy, Because they're like, we don't trust them. Like literally, like our moms couldn't have a credit card for the first like. I can't imagine not getting something that I wanted. I mean, I can't imagine it because I'm a woman. But like just the idea of it is so crazy. Yes. And like imagine having that conversation with your daughter. Of being like, hey, like, you know, I'm going to college. Can I get a credit card? Like, you actually can't. It's illegal for you to get one. Like, you're going to need to find a husband. (sighs) Sexual harassment wasn't considered a real legal issue until 1977. That's crazy. And obviously, Roe v. Wade was not the law of the land until 1973. Wow. So, 70s are when things are kind of happening. And I think 70s, too, are when you can, late 70s, I think you can go on birth control if you're single. It's like almost in the 80s. That's crazy. That's literally so many people we know were like born around that time. You know, it seems like it's like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. So there's just, there's there's a lot of things going on. Um, back, to, back to Gloria, one of um, kind of her most like prolific articles was in 1979. Um, she wrote an article on female genital mutilation. That was like kind of the first piece to talk about that. Wait, what year was that? 1979. Okay. Wow. Um, So she brought it into the American public's like awareness because I think before that, no one was really even like, you know, sure what was going on. Right. The article reported on the 75 million women suffering with the results of genital mutilation. This is happening in other countries. Yes. I feel like I don't even, I know that Hillary Clinton did a big thing on it in the 90s yes i don't want to speak on it too much because i actually don't know exactly where it happens but it's almost like a standard thing that happens in a lot of countries to young girls um that makes me feel sick yeah it's horrible and steinem was very vocal about it she said the real reasons for genital mutilation can only be understood in the context of the patriarchy men must control women's bodies as the means of production and thus repress the independent power of women's sexuality that's exactly right (sighs) um so yeah i mean like 70s 80s gloria's doing her thing Mm -hmm. she's like bringing awareness to everything um i just thought that this because i was like who has she dated and like What's her love life been? And this is crazy and just infuriating. So in the early 1990s, Gloria meets this real estate, New York real estate developer, um, Mort Zuckerman, and they're an item. They're like, We're let, together. let's go public. Yeah. Um, they fall in love. So she's in like her 50s. Yeah. Sorry, I keep asking uh, her. Like, like Claire, <laughs> don't do this. Um, she is in her, her 50s. Yeah. 40, 50, like, mid 50s. Okay. Um, and this is actually kind of a difficult time for her. I think she's getting she's getting tired. Yeah, like, no who kidding. fucking wouldn't be? She's struggling to write her book. Um, 
she'd actually just survived um, breast cancer as well. I didn't wow. know that she had breast cancer. I didn't either. Um, had so, she been married before this? No. Okay. Um, and so I actually don't even think that they did get married. They just were an item. Okay. Um, so people were appalled. They were like, you are with Mort Zuckerman. He's a rich capitalist. Mm. Um, he would like send a limo to Gloria's house and people were like, wow, you're getting in a limo. <laughs> people then were like saying that she was <laughs> like hypocritical, that she wasn't really a feminist because... If you were a feminist, you wouldn't be dating someone who's a capitalist. Oh, my God. It's just like, it's not fair, the black and white rules we have. It's like cancel culture now. Or it's like, it doesn't help anyone. Like, if he was a man that was legitimately, like, making public appearances saying how he thinks women suck and how, like, women shouldn't be paid as much, that'd be one thing. But, like, you don't know what this man really thought just because he was, like, a rich businessman. Yeah. So, it's just like, she, she kind of, like, has never been able to catch a break. Well, also, again, like, it's not fair that you're just screaming at her now and, like, saying horrible things. What does that do for womanhood? Uh, Truly. And, like, this kind of just starts this, like, she just can't really do anything right without people just yelling at her. Um, She was very adamant about Hillary in 2016. And she made some comment about, (laughs) which I'm like, oh, man, I probably would have done this, too. Um, (laughs) Someone was asking her about, like, the broad support for Bernie Sanders amongst young Democratic men. Uh Uh-huh. Um, mm. and she responded, when you're young, you're thinking, where are the boys? The boys are with Bernie and people lost their minds. That's all she said. Mm-hmm. When you're young, you're thinking where are the boys and the boys are with Bernie. Her comments triggered widespread criticism and she later had to issue an apology that they were misinterpreted. What are people interpreting it as? That they're like, oh, you just think like boys, like boys are just going to Bernie because, because, <laughs> because it's the cool thing to do yeah like the bernie bros she basically like kind of started like not started but she was she's like they're bernie bros yeah yeah but i remember when she said this and i remember like it was like a new like a headline i was like slow news day (laughs) yeah like who cares there's a lot of other things like we should be this is not something to get mad about guys no we should be mad at scared about trump yes is about to be president in a matter of days god that's terrifying i can't go back there Oh, God, no one can. Yeah. Um, no one can. Um, but yeah, she was an honorary co-chair and speaker at the Women's March in Washington on January 21st, 2017. Yeah. Did you go to the Women's March? I did. There was, that year was a lot of going downtown for marches. <laughs> that was like the most downtown I've ever been. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Yes, I do remember that. And I remember my mom and aunt were out at um, the lake and they were just sending us footage of the marches everywhere and it was just so incredible it was like the best day we were all so devastated but there was such a power and unity yep do you remember though like a few days after the depression you felt of just like and now he's not going anywhere oh it was dark so it was so scary i know and i mean everything that we thought would happen did happen it sure did yeah sure did um, but I mean, she's just like, she's continued to be an absolute legacy. And I, I did have to bring, bring it here really quickly. Okay. Um, Gloria Steinem is not a fan of Housewives. I figured that she would, I don't think she was like a fan of Dolly Parton. No. And like, this is something that's interesting. And I do feel like we can't like glorify her. Right. Oh, <laughs> That's clever. Clever, clever. Because as much as I respect her and I really love her and I appreciate what she's done, there are certain times where I'm just like, Gloria, Gloria. Like you're being a little judgy. You're being a little judgy. So she goes on Andy Cohen's show, Watch What Happens Live. 
And what an iconic, I'm so proud of Andy. Like, what an iconic guest. I can't find that many, cl- I found this one clip, but I want to see the whole episode. Me too. I was like, can you imagine? Who is she on with? Oh God, who is she on with? I can't imagine being the other guest. I'd be like, honestly, like, why am I here? I feel like it was a, it was an actor, like a very good actor though. Wow. Um, but she says about housewives, she's like pretty disgusted by it. Um, <laughs> what was it, Teresa yelling at Danielle Staub that she's a prostitution <laughs> whore, or was it? Well, was it? I feel like we have to talk about it because okay. she says it is. She's like it's women all dressed up and so like how she says it. She like has like this disgusted look <laughs> on her face, and she's like they're inflated and they're plastic surgeryed and false bosomed. It is a minstrel show for women. <laughs> It's exactly why I love it, Gloria. But then, like, Roxanne Gay, just mm. to, like, bring it here really quickly, who's a, um, a public intellectual and author of Bad Feminist, mm-hmm. um, hit back at Steinem, saying, oh, oh, I, I... Brave season. I, I, l- brave. <laughs> she said, I think the Real Housewives franchises allow women to be their truest selves. We see the mess. We see their amazing friendships and everything in between. When women are allowed to be their fullest selves, it is the most feminist thing that you can do. I have chills. Um, Gay even added that she once personally challenged Steinem about her view on the housewives when she ran into her at a fundraising event, <laughs> a conversation that many would pay to witness. <laughs> Roxanne Gay is my hero. That is incredible. She's like, listen, I've got, I've been looking for you. Like literally. I completely agree. Yeah. So like, what, what are your thoughts on that? And people even today that are like, the show is trash. Like, how do you usually respond? Well, to me, I'm like, I love trash. Like, (laughs) trash, trash for for us. us. Yeah. Like, what is your point? I just think (laughs) it's like, I feel, I understand why Gloria would think that. Because again, it's like with second wave feminism, I feel like it was so like, you have to reject everything and start from scratch. Yeah. And there wasn't that understanding there. And then when people, it's the same thing of like that clip of Courtney and Khloe Kardashian, where she's like, I don't watch TV. And it's like, good for you. Okay, who cares? Yeah. Like, I don't understand why you're so proud of it. Yeah. I mean, I think Housewives like shows women in their 50s and 60s that give them an entire show. And like, yes, they're fighting. They also have plastic surgery, but that is anyone's right if they want to have it. And so it is just that, like, she grew up in a time where she's like, I have to fight so hard against this image that she probably now can't see how both can exist together. Well, Tess, she literally got an article written about her that mentioned her miniskirt, you know? No, she's, like, like rightfully frustrated that she's always been placed as one or the other. And she's, I think, really tried to live in those both worlds. And she's been ridiculed for it. Exactly. So So it makes sense to me why all those women would be like, of course I have to reject my feminine side because that's all they see if I lean into it in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. And I was listening to um, Emily Rajakowski's podcast Mm -hmm. because I think she very much represents, like, she has triggered people for being in very intellectual um, activist, but then also posing with her clothes off and, you know, having an insane body and like mm-hmm. all of this stuff, which I haven't had to like really work out some like um, <laughs> internal, uh, internal misogynistic same. like responses I had about her when she kind of first came out. And then I was like, what the fuck, Tess? Like, that's not fair. Same. Like, just let people live their lives as long as everything is consensual. Exactly. Let them live their lives. It's like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a tangent, but had to had to go there. That's what we're here for. Um, and then she did end up marrying someone. Oh. She, did you know that she married the father of Christian Bale? What? <laughs> David Bale. Excuse me? In 2000. How did... Who's David Bale? Christian Bale's dad. How did that... (laughs) 
<laughs> How did they even meet? Probably like a fundraiser or some shit. Is is he a, like a nepo baby, Christian Bale? Mm. Is David Bale a rich man? I mean, I assume he he is he has since passed. Oh, wait, what year did they marry? Um, in two thousand. Oh wow. Oh, two thousand. Yep. Oh, they were wow. Yeah. Um, he was an activist and businessman. Christian Bale's stepmom <laughs> was Gloria Steinem in two thousand. Yes, is that crazy? That is crazy. I was like, huh? How does this not talked about every day? He was an uh, environmental and animal rights activist, and he died from um, lymphoma. In 2003, so they were only married for a couple oh, years. Wow, I guess that's probably why people like don't talk about it as much because it was in 2003. Yeah, yeah, but you know, she did. She did get married, but she never had children of her own. But she was very much like she was a stepmother to uh, Christian Bale, uh, to Christian Bale and his other three children. Um, and yeah, now she, you know, she lives. She lives alone in New York in a beautiful. She's so New York. Beautiful house. And yeah, she's almost 90, I think, like we said. Um, She has a book out. I'd encourage everyone to watch this documentary. I definitely want to go watch it. And I just loved being with her for that story of just like from her childhood to just be like, God, you saw your mother and you were like, this is unfair. And like that story always just makes me feel very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. God. So that's Gloria Steinem. Wow, what a powerful woman. Yeah. I mean, I do love her. You know, I don't agree with every single thing she has said, but I agree with most of them. Yeah. And, and she's a thank pioneer. Thank God for her. Pioneer. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Z-Way's interview with her, where she um, reads the lyrics to WAP to her. We'll do a TikTok. <laughs> we have we'll to. <laughs> it is so, Z-Way is amazing. It makes me want to sob. I can't imagine interviewing Gloria Steinem. I'd be like, you. I love you. Yeah. Wow, what an awesome woman. Yeah. So, you know, hey, Women's History Month. Do you know if she, I associate with her, her with Angela Davis. Did she ever pop up in your documentary or anything like that? Mm. I know there, I feel like there was a group of feminist women that like worked together, but I didn't know if they were in the same circle. Um, They probably were. I mean, she worked with, she worked with everyone. And like, I think by the end of researching i'm like oh my god there's so many women I that know. i just want to like sit and i did write down like 10 different women that were also a part but then i was like you know i'm not just gonna like list them off we can do like a i think a whole nother episode Perfect. on um like black feminist a- yeah. activists in the 60s because that is just so insane and yeah. like inspiring of what they had to go through even compared to her exactly um so yeah i mean it was like a community of women all different races from different places being like, we got to fix this shit. Wow. What a time. What a time. I mean, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, you could say that. But hey, we'll fight the good fight. We are. We're continuing to do it. Yeah. Wow. Great job, Tess. Oh, thanks. It was, I love her. It was, it was great. Me too. Was fun. I love her too. And yeah, this is the end. All right. So we do have to say our goodbyes. I think next week <laughs> we're doing Ask Us Anything. Yeah. So, we are. So send in your questions. Yes. Yeah. Um, literally anything. Also, like, if it's going to be anonymous, guys. So, like, it's don't, always anonymous. We're not going to tell anyone what you said. I promise. It's just a fun way for us to, like, all get to know each other. Yeah. Not like you're going to be, like, saying some, like, really intense <laughs> yeah. thing. But you might. And we're here for that. Yeah. If you have a crazy story that you need advice on, let us know. Or if you just want to get something off your chest. Please. We're here for it. We like are. Rammy confession. That's right. Confessional. Confessional. Yeah. Confessional. Like on Housewives. All right, kids. Well... <laughs> Happy, happy end of our third themed month. Yes. And we will see you soon. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Right Answers Mostly. Bye, kids. Goodbye. Goodbye.